Welcome to the Aquarian Living Podcast. I am Naomi Richardson, your host. I am a Kundalini yoga teacher, life and meditation coach, and I am here to create a connection with others who live mindfully through the practice of Kundalini yoga, wellness, and spirituality. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode one. I am so excited to finally have this here and this out. It took a while to get this one going, but we're on a roll now. I have interviews coming up in the future to put out consistently, and hopefully that will continue. Um, I just want to talk about a few things um, beforehand Um, in this episode and probably in the future episodes. We talk about Kriya, um, Mantra, Pranayam. If you are not familiar with these, I am going to put them in the show notes for you so you can look them up and find out what they mean, what they are. Um, I just wanted to put that out there. And I also wanted to talk about how much I've already learned from episode one. Um, Just doing the editings and listening to your own voice speak and knowing how I could be a better listener and how to articulate what I'm trying to say in a better way. Of course, I was hard on myself, but I'm going to go ahead and let that go. And I wanted to talk about how inspired I was by City Cottom. She's so beautiful and so eloquent, and she inspired me to have a stronger yogic practice in addition to my meditation, because that's something I've been lacking. Um, since it's been cold out, I haven't been going on my daily walks in nature. I haven't really been doing anything except for my meditation. So that inspired me. And just how she shows up as a teacher and how she talks about that just really inspired me and makes me want to be a better teacher. So I loved hearing about her journey and I hope you do too. So let's go ahead and begin. Okay. Hi everyone. I'm here with City Cottom Earth Tree and I'm so excited. She's a Kundalini yoga teacher and Vedic, is it astrologist or astrologer? Astrologer. Okay, I yeah. said astrologist in the uh, intro, oh, and I was like, I think it's okay. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> but I want to be correct. Okay, so I just wanted to start off, we're going to start off like in the beginning. I kind of wanted to know like where you grew up and what your upbringing was like. Okay, um, so I grew up in Michigan, and um, mostly in the suburbs until about sixth grade. And then we moved out to a rural area, trees, lake, really pretty, really nice. I think that's where I got my love of nature Mm -hmm. from moving there and living there until I went to college. Um, And it was, it was very, it was fairly remote and really beautiful. Um, And I have a brother and a sister and my parents are still together and very rare. And, um, yeah, just lots of lots of memories of nature and you know like when we lived in the suburbs we had a pool so that was like a big part of my yeah. kind of like childhood like a lot of memories from there but um but yeah was there any religion Did, or what were your parents beliefs so um we were sort of catholic Mm. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like not going to church, but right. believing. So we would go to church 
on the major holidays. Mm -hmm. And then um, my parents sent my siblings and I to like catechism, like (laughs) after school once a week. And I don't think any of us really liked it. And then after a while, they stopped making us go to that. But, um, But that was, it wasn't, religion and spirituality wasn't a big part of my upbringing, but I feel like I always like, I had a hunger for it. Like when I was a teenager, I remember having like these two books. One was about your past lives and one was just about the chakras. And I loved them. Like they had a special place in my room and I would just flip through them. And it was like, I would devour them if I could. Oh, that's awesome. Where did you get the books? I think we were in Ann Arbor or something because Ann Arbor was close by. It was about a 40-minute drive. So I think in a bookstore, I just randomly chose those two things. And I don't still have them. I wish I had them and could read and see, like, are, yeah. these, are these good books? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they satisfied this hunger in me for, like, something different. Yeah. Something Because growing up in Michigan and the Midwest, it's just things are very kind of normal, and being in the norm is um, is just what everybody does. Yeah. So there were no conversations about past lives I was having with anybody. Or, but oh god, I wanted that so badly. Yeah, that's so cool. I'd, I had no idea that even existed when I was right. young. <laughs> I mean, I guess so, but it seemed very woo woo to me back then. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when you were a child, were you very imaginative and? I guess yeah. you played outdoors a lot. And- yeah, I think I was really creative. Yeah. I used to really enjoy writing mm. a lot from a really young age. I love writing stories. And that's actually what I did in college. I had a creative writing major before I switched oh. everything over to education. But um, but yeah, I love stories. I love um, kind of like, just like we're doing now, like following a person's path, like how did all of this happen? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And did your parents support your like ideas of wanting to know different things? Yeah. Yeah. They weren't, well, they weren't, they were supportive, but, um, but they, I mean, we lived in the Midwest. There's only so much you can do, but I think it helped that my mom is an artist Oh, yeah. and my dad's very creative too. So that was never stifled or thought of as, you know, something less than or anything. So it was, it was always encouraged, kind of like quietly encouraged, which is nice. And yeah, yeah, no shutting down about that. And so I think that did free up my mind to think in different directions in life. That's awesome. And where did you go to college? Eastern Michigan University. Oh, cool. And you said that you studied creative writing and then education. Mm -hmm. So were you spiritual when you were in college? What were you like in college? Um, I wouldn't say I got much into spirituality in college. I dabbled a little bit. Like I would go to like a Buddhist center or, you know, for like one afternoon and then I'd come back home, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just <laughs> kind of like, like, what's this? Yeah, yeah. Kind of exploring a little bit. Um, but, but I started meditating a little bit and I started feeling what that felt like. And I knew I wanted more of it. But again, access. Like I didn't know how to really connect to a community or to... Um, to a tradition. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I couldn't find my thing yet. Yeah. 
So, you know, you're kind of like stumbling around until you find that. Yeah. That's how I was in my twenties. I remember trying to read the Tibetan book of Buddhism and I always had that like curiosity for it, but I just didn't know. I would go to the the temples in Santa Fe and like just Mm -hmm. sit there, but I just didn't know what I was even doing, but I just like knew there was something there's something there. yeah that's exactly how I felt yeah I would read I would read books and not really understand them but yeah. like like the feeling of reading them mm. yeah and go to places and and yeah I knew there was something I was searching for but mm. you know of course you can't you don't know until yeah. you find it yeah and so how did your spiritual path begin um did it begin with kundalini yoga or did it begin like with other things it pretty much began with Kundalini yoga. So after college, I so I switched my major to education because I freaked out. I was like, what am I going to do with a creative writing degree? Be a waiter. Right, right. A <laughs> totally. So I kind of had a freak out and then I switched everything to education and I taught for two and a half years, high school, language arts. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then... Um, and I knew I couldn't continue doing that. It wasn't very fulfilling for me mm-hmm. for various reasons. But um, but then I I started taking yoga classes, and then I entered into a yoga teacher training. It was kind of like an after work sort of thing, mm-hmm. and it was in Hatha yoga tradition. Yeah. And then one day I was at home after getting home from work teaching high school, and I just. I, something just came over me, like you can't do this anymore. You need to teach yoga. It was, mm. it wasn't a voice, but it was just more of like a a very clear knowingness. Yeah. So then I stopped doing that. I after two months, I was able to leave teaching, yeah. and then I went to an ashram just outside of Boulder. Um, and I did a more intensive Hatha yoga teacher training. And so I was teaching that for about a year and that was fantastic. And that was just as vinyasa was starting to kind of catch hold. And I was teaching like a more classic Hatha yoga class. And, um, and I enjoyed that, but I, I felt like it wasn't all there for me yet. Yeah. And then I was reading about Kundalini yoga and more reading about the Kundalini energy. I kind of didn't know where to look and I couldn't find a class in Denver for Kundalini yoga. And then Sue Beck, Kartapurik, was offering a class in Parker. So I drove out to Parker and I did my first Kundalini yoga class with her. And in the first 10 minutes, it was like I was home. Oh, wow. It was like I found the missing piece and I, I remember thinking to myself, like, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is everything you've been looking for. Wow. So that's how you met Karta Purik. Did you yeah. train with her? No, they weren't doing their training yet. They weren't doing their training So yet. about two months later, I went to Española. Oh, okay. And did my training there. How cool. And that was while Yogi, that was in 2002. So Yogi Bhajan was still living. Oh, awesome. And so we got to have lectures from him. (gasps) Awesome. Yeah. So I probably attended about, I would say 10 or 12 lectures from him. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. That was, 
an incredible experience, but I was so new to it. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> You're like, who is this guy? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And we were, I remember we were at the training, um, and it was the first day and I was so new to everything and I had driven there, you know, it's a six hour drive. You yeah. can do that. So my car was there <laughs> and I remember being at the training the first day and having this whole conversation with myself, like you can just get in your car and go home. Like you don't have to be here. Why are you here? Are you ready for this? Like the whole, all of the chatter. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. a lot. It's like, Sikhism, first of all, right. like, I don't know if you were exposed to it, but when I was young, no. my parents are from Santa Fe. So growing up, I always, you know, it's like right by Española. So yeah. I always saw the Sikhs walking around and we mm-hmm. would go to herb shops and like see them there. And I even, I went to Girl Scout camp one year. I don't know why I went, but my grandma put me in Girl Scout camp and there was a Sikh girl there and all the other kids were making fun of her and like calling her names. And we were like, come to our cabin, come stay with us. We thought she was so cool. Her hair was down to her ankles and we were like, Uh you're amazing. And she like tied her turban and we were like, we were just like, so like I was exposed to it. I kind of knew what Mm -hmm. it was, but I didn't know the connection of Kundalini yoga with it. I kind of thought it was like a hippie thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I thought it was another form, not even a cult. I know a lot of people said it was a cult, but I don't know. I was exposed to it. So it's a lot just getting into oh it. Oh my gosh. Kind of yeah. seems strict too with like wearing the mm-hmm. turban and a lot of rules, a lot of rules, guidelines. So how do you feel? I know, and like commitment to like yes. not drinking and mm-hmm. all those things. So how do you navigate those kind of things into your life now with the like the rules and the strictness or how did you navigate it then? Like, what were you thinking in your head? Um, well, I was doing a lot of the things already. Like I was already vegetarian. Um, I still would drink alcohol sometimes when I went into training. And then I remember when I, when I came out, um, I, a month after I was finished with the training, I was pregnant. So that oh. kind of took care of the no drinking <laughs> thing for a while. Yeah. But then after after that, I would have like a glass of wine every now and then. Yeah. And that lasted for a couple years, maybe a year and a half. And then as I was practicing more and more, I remember one time I had a half a glass of wine and I felt completely ill. Yeah, it... it, it tends to just yeah. disappear. Yeah. And it's like your body rejects it after a while. Yeah. And so then I just Gave haven't up. since then. Yeah. And awesome. it wasn't, that wasn't such a big deal. I think socially it was a bigger deal than like, I want to have something. Yeah. You know, like going to a party became a little awkward. Yeah. It's but, hard. Yeah. But then your friends change. You know, and then it gets easier. Everything shifts. Yeah. Yeah. You just get the shifts from Kundalini. If you do it daily, it just starts. I'm having that now because I kind of like, like to have a glass of wine every now and Mm -hmm. then. And I hardly ever drink, but me and one of my girlfriends have like a Friday night play date where our kids go wild and we like have a drink. And I just, since I've gotten back into Kundalini yoga, I just noticed it's just not serving me anymore. Yeah. It's just 
not doing it. And I'm like, okay, but I'm accepting it. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. that's, and I know where it's coming from. And it's, it's so interesting. And I think it's amazing that that kind that shift can happen. It's amazing. Right. So going back, you did your training and it's like new. So after you finished your training, where did you go from there? Mm. So it was a, it was an easier transition, I think, than some people because I had already been teaching Hatha yoga for about a year and already made that huge like um, career shift. So, um, so I just started slowly switching everything over to Kundalini yoga in my teaching and, um, and then in my, in my lifestyle too, that change came more quickly as soon as I came back from training, everything was just Kundalini yoga and meditation. Yeah. And then especially being pregnant during that time when I came home, then I could really incorporate the, you know, the conscious pregnancy, teaching conscious. I'm so jealous. I wish I would have had that when I was pregnant with Harvey. I was just telling my friend that the other day. I was like, things would have been so different. So you're so lucky you got to do that with Didi. Yeah. I feel fortunate to have have gone through that. Mm -hmm. And then um and then after she was born, there's practices to get your body back, you know, back in order. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like your abdominals and bringing those together mm-hmm. and everything. And so I would just do these simple sets like while she was taking a nap or, you know. Great. And so it was a lot um it it felt more integrated into my life. I think from having that kind of like intense experience of pregnancy, newborn, and then using kundalini yoga meditation to keep myself stable mm-hmm. and to get through that, you know, that tough time when you have a newborn, oh, you're God. like, what, what is, you can't prepare for that. No, no But Kundalini yoga really helped me help to create a stability and to, to keep myself in, in a kind of a better space than I think I would have been in. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. So, um, when you started teaching, I mean, that Kundalini yoga is now just kind of getting out there, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you see it more and more. So how was it for you back then? Oh like when gosh. you were teaching, were you like the only class or yes. like, you know, and yes. like how many people came or like who were the people <laughs> that came? Like, what was it like? It was challenging. Mm-hmm. So I went to the training because I couldn't find a teacher. There was at the time that I knew of at least one person teaching and she was teaching kind of in her house, maybe sometimes. And it just didn't feel like something... I have to like go for things, you yeah, know? Yeah, too. Yeah. To like all in. So... <laughs> all or nothing. That's how yes. I am. <laughs> so, um, so I started teaching and I would have... I always had at least one person show up. So for about a year, it was one to three people. Yeah, it was hard. So cr- I know it's frustrating when that happens because mm-hmm. you just, it's so awesome that you just want. I know you just want to share it. You want to share it and you want people to be like, wow. And there are those people, but it's like one to three people. Right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's hard to keep going. You're like, is this worth it? Or right. like, but I think that's how all yoga classes are. You kind of have to like yeah. create. When you have to gain people's trust too, yeah, you know, and I, I really feel like showing up no matter what is really important Mm -hmm. because so that was about for a year, and then 
there was a certain point where all of a sudden I would have eight or nine people show up. Awesome. And then I would notice, you know, kind of the regulars showing up and I had a, a good group of regulars. And then I thought one day, it'd be nice if everybody showed up all at the same time. And then they all started showing up at the same time. And then I started getting, you know, more people coming. Awesome. But, you know, to keep myself going in those earlier days where I had one to three people, you know, if one person gets a little inspiration from the class or gets something out of the class, that's my job. Yeah, you, know? you were holding the space. See, that's where I would yeah. lack. I'd be like, this is worth it. I could be doing right. other things. Right. And I'm in traffic when I come to this class and only right. one person or nobody shows up. And I could yes. be doing all these other things and I keep going in and out of teaching. That's why I think like online teaching is better for me because I can always mm-hmm. be there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I do want to teach in a studio again, but it just has to be, you know, it's so hard. Like mm-hmm. it's keep going, especially when you have a family and yes. you have other obligations. And mm-hmm. so I, 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 yeah, I'm respect that you kept going. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think the consistency for me, from what I've seen, consistency is everything. Yeah. And you that's know? how it is with everything. It's true. <laughs> Consistency. It's true. Yeah. So great. And so where did you teach then? Was that when you taught at Samadhi? Yeah. I taught at Samadhi for many years. Um, and that was fantastic and really nice community there. Yeah. I love um, it there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I taught at Karma Yoga. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love Karma Yoga. And then, um, yeah. And those were my two main places. I feel like as a teacher, it's good to, somebody gave me this advice early on, like have a teaching home. You can teach a couple places, but you should have one home. Mm-hmm. So I really embrace that. And I think that's a, a really good idea for people to have a home. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm kind of looking for that. I mean, Kundalini mm-hmm. Yoga Denver, I feel like is yeah. always my home. I go back, but I kind of gave up my good spot in my teaching class. And now, and then I subbed for a while. I subbed for a while for Jackie at Samadhi and mm-hmm. I, I really love subbing there. Yeah. Um, it's a good class, good energy. And I love Kundalini Yoga Denver. I just love that space so much. I hope they never move. I was bummed when they were going to move a little while right. back, but I'm glad they stayed. Yeah, I love that space so much. So hopefully I could get a class there again and that will be my home. Yes. <laughs> yes. Kundalini Yoga Denver is fantastic. And they, they opened after I moved away. Otherwise oh. I totally would have taught there. See, it was the first place... I was, when we, before we moved here, I was still in Austin. We came to look for houses and I drove by it. And I just gotten a Kundalini yoga in um, Austin. And I I think I had already signed up for the training here, but it was like, this little white church. It's not white anymore, but it was like this little white glowing thing. And I saw Mm -hmm. their little sign and I was like, this is a sign. Like it just was so cool that I saw that. And I, I really encourage, if you live in Denver, go to Yoga Denver, y'all. It's like, it's such a good studio and all the teachers are really great. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I want more people to go there and notice it. It's kind of out of the way, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And mm-hmm. they have lots of good workshops. So mm-hmm. yay. Okay. And then, so you lived in Denver for a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Or, okay. For about 12 years. And does your husband do Kundalini yoga? 
Does he meditate? Sometimes. He meditates okay. every day, but he is drawn more towards Buddhist practices. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've been meaning to ask you about this forever. About yeah. Your so he meditates every day. He's a really good meditator. Oh, good. Um, and he'll do kundalini yoga with me sometimes, maybe... I can't remember the last time he practiced with me. Um, <laughs> he'll watch this. <laughs> That's okay. But he meditates. Um, I think meditation is so important. Absolutely. So. But then every time he practices with me, after every time he says, I should do this more often. <laughs> Why course. don't I do this more often? Because it's hard. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm here. It's challenging. <laughs> you have a teacher in your house. Yeah. You're like, I'm right here. Free classes. <laughs> Okay, so, and then you moved to Telluride from? I did. Denver. Okay. Yeah, I had a strong, you, you get really good intuitive hits after you've done Kundalini Yoga for a while. Mm-hmm. And so I just had this intuitive hit one day that I was talking with a friend about Telluride and I, something came over me and I, I knew we were going to be moving to Telluride and I'd never been there. Oh, crazy. Yeah. But I'd been searching for um, the perfect mountain town for yeah, a while. Yeah, so you kind of were manifesting it. Yeah, yeah. It was in there that I did not want to live in a city forever. Yeah. And then, um, and then I share this with my husband, who's usually really on board with what I'm wanting to do. And he thought I just lost it. He was like, are you crazy? (laughs) And then I totally let it go. So I I feel like the surrender and not like hanging on, you know, when something isn't working is so important. So hard to do that though. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if he wasn't on board, that's a big decision. I didn't want to like push it. So I was like, okay, Denver's great. I can live here easily forever and be really happy because Denver's a fantastic place. Um, and so I really, truly surrendered. And I was thinking of ways to, you know, create more of what I want here. And then that summer, about five months later, we went camping in Telluride. Mm-hmm. And then we were driving around and my husband was like, do you still want to move here? So then about a month later, we were living in Telluride. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. Everything kind of magically came together. Yeah. And Telluride is, I feel like Telluride is really one of these places. And Denver's a little bit like this too. Like it either accepts you or completely spits you out. You know, <laughs> I have been experiencing yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> there's a certain, these mountainous places, especially the Denver Bold area, there's a little bit of a harshness yeah. to the energy and it, it can embrace you, but then it can make life a little bit. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, but I also think it's like, the energy that you give out to. I feel like right. Denver had been totally rejecting me, but I also feel like I hadn't been here completely. I had one foot mm-hmm. out the door still. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I don't know about this place. I want to go back to Austin. And then finally I surrendered. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know what? I just need to like create what I want here. And ever right. since then, I feel so much better. Like I just kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. And things have been like, working out a lot better. I mean, nice. I still live on my Pluto line, which is like really hard, but mm-hmm. I mean, you can navigate it. So, well, yeah. And then you learn a lot. You get, it's all lessons. lessons. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, since I've been to Denver, everything has been <laughs> a lesson, a rock bottom lesson, but mm-hmm. you know what you learn from it. And that's when you 
create magnetism. So yeah. I'm like, okay, that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you started teaching Kundalini in Telluride yeah. and was that an easy transition? No, <laughs> <laughs> of course not. <laughs> so then I moved to a place where there was no Kundalini yoga classes. Yeah. Um, so then I just started again and showed up again and showed up and showed up and showed up there. It's such a small number of people to draw from, right? you know, that I would often have zero people showing up. And then I've lived there about almost nine years, I think. And probably in the last three years, I've really been able to, um, like attract people who really want this and who become regular students of the practice. And so now I'm, I'm doing things like offering, um, Usually I'll do first Saturday of the month, we'll do like a specific workshop on something they've been asking about, like things that you don't teach in a regular class, but we'll give them a firmer background um, and yeah, just provide a a deeper experience for when they come to class. So it's really nice to have a community now and to have people showing up and they're fantastic people that I really love and enjoy being with too. Yeah. Was it... How was it in the beginning? Were people accepting or did people think it was weird or? Um, I don't, well, see, the thing about Telluride is everybody's all, everybody has their thing already, you know? Yeah. And they, I think people, people try new things, but I think it takes a while for people to kind of like embrace something new. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true of everywhere, but it's, Telluride's kind of like a peach petri dish because there's so few people there. Yeah. So it's like you see you see patterns really quickly. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah I think some people were curious about it on their own and came to um so it was a combination of things but yeah, it was it was tough for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just picture Telluride like Breckenridge. Is it like that? Because it's touristy, right? Because it's touristy. Ski, they're skiing for and sure. All that. So I just picture like lots of money and like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, and there's different sort of. Um, but then there's probably people that have just always lived there, right? Or yeah. own businesses and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, so that's just my judgment because I haven't been there in like years. <laughs> yeah, tourist towns are they're different. Different, you know, yeah. there's there's different socioeconomic kind of um, groups and things, yeah. but there's a little bit of everything too, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting place to live for sure. Yeah, I'll have to come visit. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> it looks really beautiful. It's amazing. It's gorgeous. Oh, yeah, I bet. I know. I haven't, since I've been in Denver, it's like when you live somewhere, you explore less, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you just, you're like, I'm around so many beautiful things and then like right. I never do anything. So I'm trying to explore explore more. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's do a little shift. So how did you get into the Vedic astrology? And then if you could chime in a little bit, I know there's... Okay, first of all, there's a difference between Vedic and Western astrology. Mm-hmm. If you could get in that a little bit with the differences. And then what is the connection with Kundalini Yoda, Yoda, Yoda Yoga and uh, the Vedic astrology? Because I know that's all tied in as well. Mm-hmm. So if you could just elaborate. Um, so the difference between the two practices. So, um, I mean, every, everything has its claim, but... Um, 
Vedic astrology was the first astrology that existed. And so it was received by the eight rishis through meditation. Okay. Yeah. So cool. this was thousands of years ago. Of course, nobody has a firm date on that, but <laughs> ancient practice. And then it migrated. And as it migrated, things changed according to culture and things like that. And so Western astrology sort of grew out of Vedic astrology. Okay. But that's how I understand it. If you asked a Western astrologer, you would probably get a different answer. I feel like that makes more sense though. Mm-hmm. So... Or you yeah. might get a different answer. Yeah, yeah. But that's how I understand it because it was received information. So it that was the original source was uh, was the divine flow coming through people. Mm-hmm. And was it a, is it a Hindu thing or was it? Um, it's a Vedic practice. Yeah, it's tied with Hinduism and tied with the Sanskrit language. Okay. Originally, okay. yes. So yes. that makes more sense to me. That would be. Yeah, older and that would come first, right? <laughs> like right. it just makes more sense. So. Very ancient culture, but we use different. There are different tools in Vedic astrology than in Western astrology, right? Like you mentioned the Pluto line. Like we don't use the planet Pluto. Yeah, that's what you were saying. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, weird. we use we use um, many of the same planets, but then they have other planets they use too. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I don't have a good answer for like why that happened. Yeah. And like they use things, like they use different terminology than we do and we use different configurations than they do. So there are some differences, but I really truly believe there's validity in all of it, you know? Yeah, of course. Like it, like I see where it ties in. Like yeah. in Western astrology, I'm an Aquarius, but in mm-hmm. Vedic, I'm a Libra, mm-hmm. which totally, like it makes sense. Like- I don't know. It's like the opposite. And then when you did my chart, there were like stars and Mm -hmm. like, I, yeah, yeah, it's very cool. Very interesting. Um, And then I guess that's how it's tied into Kundalini yoga because it's like... Well, they're all ancient Vedic practices. They're all from... And by the word Veda, I don't necessarily mean a set of books, which also exists, the Vedic texts. But Veda is a natural intelligence that arises... And it's um, it's something we can use in our life. So so the Veda is anything that is is of natural intelligence, like the blooming of a flower. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking that. I was just picturing yeah. that because <laughs> when you did my reading, it was like a flower coming out of a rock. I yes. was just like picturing that in my head. That's so funny. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they're all from like the the source, mm-hmm. the source of knowledge, the source of wisdom, the source, uh, this, the natural arising of of these tools that we can use in our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really amazing. Mine are always spot on. Yeah. Like some people are like, what? I'm like, I, I don't, I go through phases where I'm like, really, I got to know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I right. like read my astrology or like go back to like when you did a reading and then there's times where I won't look at it at all, but like, it's always spot on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so crazy. And like the universe and where the planets are, like people think I'm crazy when I talk about that stuff, mm-hmm. you know, certain people they're like, really? Like yesterday I was like, why did I buy a printer? on the day Mercury retrograde like happened, you know, like, and people are like, what, what does that mean? You know, but I just like 
how can the planets changing and all of that moving around, how can that energy not do something? Right. Completely. You know, like the moon, we all know the moon and the tides and all mm-hmm. of that. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Why I, wouldn't they influence why, us? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just think it's fascinating. So, well, but, and then these are tools that we can use to make our lives better mm-hmm. and easier and more in the flow of things rather than fighting against the flow of things. So you bought a printer when Mercury went into retrograde. So then you kind of were prepared if things didn't go very smoothly. And they didn't. Yeah. But you know what I did? It's downstairs in the box and I'll Uh wait until after. Yeah. Just wait. (laughs) I'll just wait. Usually I kind of have a... um, implode like right before Mercury retrograde. Uh, And usually like during retrograde, I'm kind of like, hey, things are going kind of good for me. Like it just depends. Like everybody's different. I always feel the energy right before the full moon. Mm -hmm. And then on the full moon, I'm like, ah, you know, like it affects everyone differently. Yes. Um, Yes. And the tools are good too, because you did Harvey, my son's chart, and it was... It helped so much, like, you know, to know about how he's going to be. It was so spot on, but yet Mm -hmm. it's always in the back of my head, like knowing these little things about him, you know? So it's like, it's cool to kind of know the people around you too, like their charts and stuff. Absolutely. I love... It it just helps us to understand and helps us, you know, if there's a conflict or something, help us to know how to approach this Mm -hmm. or how to talk to this person in a way that they can hear. Mm -hmm. And also with our kids, I feel like it's an honoring of them as their own individual person. Like, you know, our kids aren't a mini us, Mm -mm. you know, they're their own spectacular being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it helps, it really helps to honor that. Yeah, I know. I was telling Ian, I called Ian afterwards and I was like, Harvey is a Gemini and like, he's going to always want to come home and like all the little things you told me. And it just was so good because it, it, it was so him, you yeah. know, like that I didn't really put it in a bigger picture. I'm just like, oh, these are everyday things that you just kind of notice. But when you put it in the big picture, it's like right. who they are now is like who they're going to be then too. Mm -hmm. And like how you mold, just like we were talking about all the childhood, like reprogramming and all of that, all the little things we put in their subconscious, what is it? Zero to six. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was just awesome to do that. Um, So you do one-on-one sessions, Mm -hmm. right? And then you have an online and we'll get back to that at the end of the program. You can tell us where we can find you and all your information. Um, let's see. Um, so we did, is there anything else you want to tell anybody about how I found it? Yeah. My teacher. Like your journey about it. Yeah. Um, I was teaching and I met my teacher, um, while I was at the yoga studio, she was coming in to teach in a, a training the studio was offering. And I met, um, Dr. Katie Jane Comenda and she is, Wonderful. She's a Vedic scholar. She um, she's a Sanskrit scholar. She's a Vedic astrologer. She is a phenomenal person. Awesome. And so I met her, and I didn't know exactly what she did, but I knew that whatever she was doing, I was on board. Yeah, you're like, who is this? Yeah, I don't care what she's doing. I need to learn from this person. Awesome. And she was offering an intro to Vedic astrology. It was the first time she offered it, and so I signed up, and I 
loved it. It was, it was again, like Kundalini yoga. It was like, oh, I, now there's this, mm, you know, awesome. this beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And I never thought, I never had the thought, oh, I'm going to become an astrologer. <laughs> I never had that thought or that desire. But through like my connection to her, I found this and I was very fascinated by it. I learned from her and then I learned this practice and I'm, I became obsessed with it, mm-hmm. like Kundalini Yoga. <laughs> yeah, when you become obsessed, that's when you know. You're mm-hmm. like, I got to teach it. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, the best things in my life have come not through a decision, but through, it's, it's almost like a, um, I feel compelled. Yeah. Like I felt compelled to go and study Kundalini Yoga. I felt compelled to offer Vedic astrology. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that was, um, that I reasoned through. I just kind of, yeah, this is what I'm doing next. Yeah. I feel know? like Kundalini Yoga is like that for everybody. And mm-hmm. everybody goes into teacher training, not really necessarily wanting right. to teach. They all just kind of want to just know everything. And then you're like, wait, I do want to teach because this is amazing. Yes. But that's how I felt. I was like, I was doing um, the teachings of Yogananda. Like I joined Mm -hmm. the self-realization fellowship and I was like, because I just wanted that. And then I looked up, I was looking up, I put this in my intro, but I was looking up Kriya one day. I was just like wanting to read more about Kriya. Uh And I stumbled on a video of Gurmukh and like I was sold. Like there was just I don't know. I just watched this like 45 minute video of her talking and I was like, who is this? What is she talking about? What is this? And like, I was sold. Like I just instantly switched. And like, I literally have envelopes of all the Yogananda teachings downstairs that I've never opened. Cause with that teaching, you can only do one thing. You can't like learn other lineages. So they're just in a pile downstairs. Mm-hmm. I can't, I didn't cancel it, but they're just there, you know, yeah. respectfully. But yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know. Kundalini is just like, oh, it <laughs> it's, is. It's so crazy. So when you first learn, there's, I find astrology and Vedic astrology, it fascinates. There's so much to learn. There's so many layers. Yeah. Like how do you navigate that? Um, well, I studied with Katie for two years mm-hmm. pretty intensely. Um, and of course, there's more. It's like a lifelong study and practice. Um, and then your meditation practice is the other piece of it. So there's there's the chart and there's your intellectual brain that interprets the chart, mm-hmm. um, which is, that's one component. And then the other component is your intuition, which yeah. has to be developed through meditation. Mm-hmm. So those two components come together. And then just practicing and sitting with people and reading people's charts, you know, you, anything you practice, you get better at, but, but also you, you gain more confidence in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and confidence in your intuition too. Yeah. To be able to say the thing that is kind of in the chart, but you're feeling really strongly, like you feel like you have to say it. Yeah. And like feeling confident and asking that person, you know, I'm feeling this. Is this true? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 It always just seems, I've always had an interest. Well, in Western was the first one that, sorry, that was the heater. If you could hear that big <laughs> boom. Um, Western astrology, I was, I've always been like fascinated with. Mm-hmm. I think my mom was like into it when I was younger and it was always reading her like horoscope and that kind of thing. But yeah, it just, I would buy a book and it would just overwhelm me. So I just mm-hmm. didn't, but I got into human design and yeah. human design 
design was kind of like that for me. I kind of got obsessed with it, but there's so much. I did your reading and it took like an hour and a half. I'm like, there's got to be a way to make this more simple. I don't know if I'll keep pursuing that for mm-hmm. readings, but just like doing my friends and family right? and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. And it, it, it all kind of ties in too. So, okay. Um, anything else you want to say about Vedic astrology? So you taught... Mm. I feel like it deepened my yoga practice. Oh, awesome. You know? Yeah. Um, and and for me, the best way was to learn from a teacher, which is, that's said to be, with any of the Vedic practices, it's said mm-hmm. to learn from another person, yeah. you know, who studied. But... Um, but I, it explains some things, like in Kundalini Yoga, Yogi Bhajan will mention certain terms, like Ekadasi, or you know these specific days after the full or new moon, mm-hmm. and and it made sense of those things for me. Like I know what those things are, yeah, and I use them in my everyday life. And also, I once you get in in a deeper resonance with any yogic science, Mm -hmm. all the others make more sense. Yeah. It all ties in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. I love that. Um, like we were talking about earlier, like that Joe Dispenza book. It's like, it's, I'm like, this is already all in Kundalini. It's just put in a more scientific way, Mm -hmm. but like, I can read that book and it's not like everything makes sense. So I was like, okay, this is easy. And yeah, I love that. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you why have you stuck with Kundalini for so long, but I think you kind of already. How could I not? I know. (laughs) Why would I stop? I know. Well, I did for a little bit. Like I left Mm -hmm. the practice for a little bit and I, I was telling you earlier, I was exploring, um, uh, Vedic meditation, mm-hmm. um, transcendental TM and it was good, but yeah, yeah, it does it. I was telling her, um, it's good for stress and like calming the mind, but Kundalini meditation, like makes shit happen. Like, totally I don't does. know what it is, but it just like that energy moving and yeah, there's something to it. So I'm like back into a strong practice. So yeah, my life's just gotten better and better and better. Yeah. As I practice for longer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have it's no hard reason though. to stop. It's hard. Like I talked it to a is. couple of people that we went to, uh, we did um, white tantric last weekend and mm-hmm. I talked to a couple of people and they left their practice too, which made me feel a little bit better because mm-hmm. I was like, what was I doing? And they're like, it's hard. It is hard. It's really hard to do Kundalini and keep up with it. So that's why you leave it sometimes and, or your like interest goes somewhere right. else and you're like, oh, this keeps coming. Like TM for me kept just coming up and I just mm-hmm. felt like I had to explore it and I'm glad yeah. I did, but yeah. I'm glad that well, I'm back in Kundalini. Yeah. And, and then I found with my meditation practice, I would meditate every day for years and not really enjoy it. But now I look forward to it. I love it. It's like I crave it. That's how I am too. Like if I don't do it, there's something missing. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's days and I've also gotten better. Like when I used to miss my meditation, I would be so hard on myself. Yes. And I'd be like, oh, my day is going to be ruined because I didn't Mm -hmm. meditate today or like something is going to seep into my aura. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. now I'm like, you know what? There's just days where you just can't do it. You know, you have to make it a habit, but then there... But if you did make it a habit, you know you'll fall right back into it if there's that day that you didn't do it. But 
you have to not be hard on yourself yes, too, you absolutely. know, because it's just, it's, you got to make it a habit, but you know what? Shit happens. And yes, <laughs> sometimes you just can't meditate. Yeah. And if you miss a day or two, you built up that like spiritual bank account. So it's yeah. going to carry you through, especially really tough times. Now, of course, it's really important to meditate when we're going through loss or, you know, things like this. But if we just can't do it, you're going to be carried through by the energy you mm. built up yes. during those easier times. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, what was I going to just say? Uh, yeah, just because in Kundalini, there's meditations where you do it for 40 days, 90 mm-hmm. days, 120 days. And I used to be so hard on myself for those 40 days. And and in Kundalini yoga, if you do, if you uh, commit to a 40 day meditation, if you miss a day, you're supposed to start all over. Mm-hmm. But once you make it a habit, you're doing it every day anyways. So right. it's like, you don't have to like... You don't have to think about it. You don't have to think about it and be so hard on yourself. But right. it's fun to do those little challenges with certain it is. Um, meditations every now and then. It creates a pattern. So now, mm. like sitting down to meditate is like brushing my teeth. Yeah. Like, I don't decide if I'm going to sit down. I just sit down. Yeah. You just you know? do it. Yeah. Yeah. And like Harvey was doing it for a while because he sees me doing it. Yeah. And then, but he hadn't been doing it lately. And I'm like, Harvey, you need to start doing your meditation again. He's like, I meditate every day at school for eight <laughs> minutes. And I was like, what? He goes, after recess, he makes us meditate every day. Oh, wow. I was like, that is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So he's been doing it at school and it was so oh, funny. That's great. When we had teacher um when we went to go meet the teacher, um, he was like, Harvey was like, you could tell he was a professional. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was the only one that just sat uh, sat completely still. Oh. And I was like, Well, he watches me do it every day. So Yeah, it makes uh, a difference. Yeah, it makes a difference. And I he he's like, I call it mindfulness because, you know, right. People have issues, which is I think is insane. Right. But whatever, everybody's different. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask a few questions about um, Kundalini yoga. So mm-hmm. in Kundalini yoga, we have lots of mantras mm-hmm. for the meditations. What's your favorite mantra? Um, right now, I've been, we've been talking about this. I've been working with Ikonkar Satgur Prasad, Satgur mm-hmm. Prasad, Ikonkar. So yeah. I would probably say that's my favorite right now. Um it's the if you don't know it, it's called one of the names for it is the magic mantra, and it is magic. It is, it is. So if you and um, my teacher Kartapurak Subek reminded me of this um, this mantra recently, so we started doing it, and it it reverses any negative thought or any negative pattern. So you can think of it. You you're supposed to chant it five times in a row, and so. When you start out, you might have a negative thought or a negative pattern, or maybe your day's just not going well. And if you chant it five times, it's like a wheel. It's like you're creating a wheel, an energetic wheel, and it can reverse everything. And it does. Yeah. Anything negative will be reversed. It's crazy. And City Cotton brought it up to me and I was like, oh yeah, I kind of forgot about it because you get all involved in what you're doing at the moment. And she brought it up and like when Harvey or I get in a, like a negative, I was like, let's do our egg on cars. Yes. And like, 
it is so crazy. I even told, I texted it to um, my ex-husband Ian the other day and he was mm-hmm. like, for sure, that totally worked. It's just, it's crazy. It just works. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. So now we start our day with it. Great. So at home, I have a 16-year-old daughter, and sometimes there's some negativity. <laughs> so um, yeah. most of the time, it's delightful, though. <laughs> but um, we start our day with it before we leave the house in the morning. Mm, that's like, what we've been doing, too. Let's do our mantra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so great. I'll it's, put it in the show notes so you, yes. everybody can look it up. It's amazing. I want to get it tattooed. <laughs> I've always yeah. wanted to get everything tattooed. I'm like, I want to get that tattooed now. Yeah. So I never forget. Yeah. Okay. Um, what meditation or Kriya are you currently doing? Oh, I was thinking of this on the way here. I can't remember the name of it. Maybe you know the name. I do this one with my daughter too. This is our daily practice. We usually do this in the evening. Now, of course, it's ideally practice in the morning, but uh, that's not going to work for our morning. So we adjust these things to work for, for us. So we do our magic mantra in the morning. And then in the evening, usually by 8.30 or it's going to wake me up. Yeah, you know? yeah, you got to do it earlier. So yeah. it's... um. You can find a video of this. Maybe we can put in the show notes yeah. the name of the meditation. But um, you have your hands in Gyan Mudra with the other fingers straight. Oh, Gyan Chakra Kriya. Okay, Gyan Chakra Kriya. I've been doing Kriya. that too. Really? Make shit happen. Satanam, yeah. Satanam. Yeah, that one is another one that will make things happen. Totally. It's hard though. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, but then it becomes like, I mean, we've probably been doing it for... 200 days now. We missed a couple days. We'll usually go about 40 or 50 days because I'm doing this with somebody else. There's more factors involved. So Mm -hmm. usually we get in about 40 or 50 days, 11 minutes, and then something will happen or, you know, we'll miss a day and then we'll just get back on it the next day. It's not, we try not to make it like if I'm doing a 40 day, I'm by myself, I'm going to like got to do it. But since there's another person involved, I kind of have to relax a little bit, which is good for me Yeah, and just kind of go with what's happening. But we usually get in about 40, 50 days straight, which I think for a teenager to be doing that is... It's amazing. Yeah. And it's one of those everything kriyas. Um, So in the library of teachings, you can find this and you Mm -hmm. can find Yogi Bhajan leading it, which yeah. we do that with him every yeah. day. Oh, that's awesome. See, we did, we did that one in training when he does it. Uh-huh. And that, it was like so amazing when we did it in our training, but I picked it up again. I started doing it with, um, Guru Jagat and Rama uh-huh. TV. Like it was just easy to put that one on. But, yeah. um, yeah, I did that one for a long time. I just recently switched, but I was mm. doing that one too. It's such a good one. Um, it brings in opportunity, mm-hmm. um, cleanses the aura. Yeah. Um, what else it does, does it? So many things. The whole the video. If you look on Library of Teachings and put in the name of the meditation, a video of Yogi Bhajan will come up. It's about forty-five minutes, an hour, and it's more like an hour, I think. And if you click to a minute twenty-two, I think is a good time to start. He starts explaining it, and then after he talks about it for about a half an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go watch that again. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, it's really good. And it's nice to practice with him every day because then I get to see him every day. Yeah. Which is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, we have days where we'll do three minutes. 
Yeah. But most days we get in the 11 and it's like that momentum. Like we're carried through in those days where we kind of squeeze it in. Mm -hmm. But then if we're doing 11 minutes, most of the time it's going to build and it does build. Yeah. Yeah. I read something cool the other day. I'm writing an intro for my meditation course and I was just trying to write about mantra, um, you know, pranayama and just like all the things that Kundalini meditation has. And it was saying it like broke down the minutes. Like if -hmm. you do one minute, your aura starts to change. If you do three minutes, this starts to happen. If you do five minutes, this starts to happen. And once you've done 11 minutes, the endocrine system and the glandular system and all that stuff starts shifting. And like, it's, pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. So like I wanted to put that in the show notes or online somewhere too, because it, the way they broke it down by just the minutes. So, and that's what I tell people. It's like 11 minutes. I used to be so like strict. I'm like, oh me too. 11 minutes. But now it's like, if you can only do three minutes, you're still going to feel the benefits. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever you can do, five minutes, one minute, if you could just sit and do, start with one minute, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. So I love that you're doing Gyan Chakra Kriya. That's great. Yeah. We love it. Okay. And let me see. So what is your morning routine like? Mm. I love asking people mm-hmm. this. It's like, what do you do when you first wake yeah. up? Yeah. <laughs> Being um, a yogi. <laughs> She's do also, Kisiri Kadam's also like awesome vegan. She's so into it. Mm-hmm. I cheat. I have to wear yeah. leather shoes. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> do you know what? I have a few pairs of leather boots, like these spectacular yeah, boots you do. that I still have from when I did buy leather mm-hmm. because I really like them and I, I keep know. them. It's so hard. I try not to buy any new leather though. Yeah. I really try. And it's come so far like with like the alternative It stuff. has. It's so much easier now. Yeah. Cause before it'd be like before it was breathable, like, yeah, awful. like stinky shoes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Things have come a long way. It's a lot easier. Yeah. Now. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, anyways, go back to your so routine. Like, do you mean do? like my yogic routine or like my just daily? Yeah. Routine? Kind of your daily routine. Like what do you start off with in the morning? Like um, when you wake up or do you have like some people are like, I say a mantra before I get out of bed or, you know, just yeah. the little tricks. Well, there's the ideal. The Ideally before I get out of bed, usually I get up at 630. Mm-hmm. Before I get out of bed, I aim to have gratitude on my mind. Like the first thing that doesn't always happen. No, it's Sometimes hard. it's like 10 o'clock. I'm like, oh, I didn't say thank you for anything yet. I try to make a list. Yeah. But I've kind of, I just realized yesterday, I'm like, I haven't done my list. Right. And it varies. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'll just lay and feel gratitude. And sometimes it's a more like verbal interaction mm-hmm. in my head, you know. Mm-hmm. But I aim to start <laughs> with that. <Yeah. laughs> um, and then, oh, I've gotten into like a major dental care routine. Mm. So like first thing in the morning, I brush my teeth. Like I don't understand how people can drink water or eat without brushing their teeth. And I do that thing where you like do the back of your tongue. So you <gasps> gag a little bit and then your eyes water. And that's really good and clearing for the eyes. I need to do that again. It just makes mm. me gag like the tongue cleaner thing. Oh yeah. And I use a tongue scraper mm-hmm. and I got this book by D- Diane Artemis. Oh my gosh. I'm obsessed with her and I've been yes. holding off on the book because I know that it's going to change things. She puts a, she takes, she takes a wrench with her to hotels 
and brings a filter so she could put the filter on. Like if she stays somewhere, yeah. I'm like, I mean, she's hardcore. She is. Like, I just know I'll get so into it that I'm like, yeah. I get so obsessive, but, but yeah. I got her book, Renegade Beauty, mm-hmm. which gives you a lot of like home things to do, like make your own serums, things like that. And then um, I got her holistic dental care book. Yes. I've been wanting to do all that because she has yes. like a like a gum she has a serum. Like, and you can make your own. I make all my own stuff. Yeah. What's her, what are her, living vibrations, yes. right? Yeah. That's her. If, Many of you yeah, probably, she if you're listening to this products. podcast, you probably have heard of Living Libations. Yes. Yeah, her products. Fantastic products. But I do most of her dental routine. And actually, I started doing it um, about a month and a half ago. And then I went to, I had a dental cleaning two weeks after I started doing it. And I was like, oh, I wish I could be on this longer. But then... <laughs> it's all tra- a challenge. <laughs> totally. Um, and then I was getting my teeth cleaned and she was like, what are you doing? And I told her everything and I was like, well, hopefully next time I see you, you'll have a lot less scraping and stuff to do. And she was like, there's hardly any now. (gasps) I was like, oh my God, from two weeks of doing this whole major dental routine. Awesome. I know I've heard such good things about it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It takes me about 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the Mm -hmm. evening. And there's a couple steps I don't do. Like I don't have a dental pick and you know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Just I like to keep things simple. But anyway, so my taking care of my teeth is a big part of my morning. And then I have, um, I get a big jar of warm lime water. Mm -hmm. So about a half a lime and about, I don't know, 30 ounces of warm water. That's a lot for the morning. I've been doing like a little tiny cup as long, just getting some kind of lemon water. Yeah, something, you know, and then if I'm in a rush, I'll do like eight ounces or 16 Mm -hmm. ounces, but I always have water the first thing. That's good. See, I need to get better at that. I'm always coffee and then water. Oh yeah. See if you can at least get like a little cup of water in, because I feel like it just it sets my body to want more water throughout the day. And I drink coffee. It does. But then I I'm know like it's hydrated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I'll do my yoga practice. Usually I spend about an hour in the morning yoga and meditation. And I'll mix it up because I have that stable evening thing. I like to have one meditation I'm doing every day. So that's my evening one. And then in the morning, I'll just kind of do whatever I'm needing or wanting that day. And I have my favorites. Um, and then I'll have you know a couple random ones I'll be throwing in. But about an hour of yoga and meditation um, and then, um, so you do yoga every day, you do a Kriya every day, just about, I would say at least five days a week. I'm, That's good. I haven't been doing the actual yoga, yoga every mm-hmm. day. I do meditation every day, but not yoga, yeah. yoga, but I've been feeling it. I need yeah. to make it a priority. Well, it's just going to make the meditation easier. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And keep you healthy and you know, all the things. Oh, yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah, but I feel if I go like two days in a row without doing a, a good yoga practice, I feel it. Mm-hmm. I totally feel mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But then I start my day and I start my work by 10 a.m. every day because 10 to 2 are your prime like working hours. It's the fire time, the pitta time of day. So I always make sure that I am starting my work by 10 o'clock. Yes, you taught this in my training. Mm-hmm. I need to go back to that. I have it yeah. all written down what all the days are and then like what's the best times to work, what's the best times yeah. to eat, all that. I need to go back yeah, to like that. Yeah, like 10 to 2, those are those are big hours in the day because your digestive system's really active, so having a big meal for lunch during 
you know, around noon or so, mm. but 10 to two are the prime working hours. Yeah. So you can get a whole lot done That's during those what hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then after two, it wanes. That's why everybody has that slump around three o'clock. It's not just a blood sugar thing, you know, yeah. it's like the energy, the energy of the day is shifted. Mm-hmm. So I'm always sure to get most of my work done between 10 and two. And somebody wise um, told me recently that this person doesn't take appointments before 10. They work with people one-on-one because nobody should be talking about their problems before 10 a.m. So I thought that was such a good idea. That is so good. Isn't that great? Yeah. So that shift, I used to start appointments around nine because I can be with a person. You I know, would start at nine like fire hours, But then I shifted it to 10. 10 to two. And then that makes my morning so much more relaxing too. There's no rush. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You feel like you're still rushing at nine. Yeah. Then I can take my time having breakfast, do a little bit of reading, do yeah, a little what writing. Do you read for, or what do you read for breakfast? What do you eat for breakfast? <laughs> um, usually it's avocado toast, which isn't great for my dosha, but I just really like it. And I usually have coffee. Mm-hmm. A cup or two. And do you eat, you eat like after you've done all your yoga and yes. everything? Yes. So probably around like eight o'clock I'm eating and mm-hmm. relaxing until about 9.30. Nice. Yeah. Nice. My morning's really nice. Yeah. I know. I'm a huge like gotta have my morning. Mm-hmm. I can wake up early. I don't mind waking up early, but I want to just chill. Yeah. I want to relax yes. and just like ease into it. It's hard when you have to get your kid ready for school, but right. it's even gotten better to where we don't feel rushed. Like it's That's really of, nice. Yeah. How the morning not like, like a Kids don't like to be rushed in general. So. No. Okay. Let me see. Um, okay. One more question before I kind of ask you my ending questions. Um so you've started your own holistic businesses. Do you have any advice mm-hmm. for anybody that wants to like start their own business? I know a lot of people have like yoga as a side business or like right. astrology as a side business. Do you have any advice for someone who would like to do it full time or just any business advice in general mm-hmm. for starting? Yeah. With Kundalini Yoga, Yogi Bhajan um, would advise people don't depend on the students for money. Right. <laughs> Which I think is such a good idea, especially Don't do when it you're for the money. Yeah, you you can't you can't be counting in class how much money you're making mm-hmm. or not making every day. Mm-hmm. It makes everything really awful. So, I remember this because I have cl- private clients and, you know, um I'm making money from that, but I do not depend on that income because then that shifts every relationship. So it's just, I'm just grateful on, you know, for people showing up and mm-hmm. being who they are and coming and being so dedicated. Yeah. Then you can be be happy about that rather than like, you know, what you're making from it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think that's important for teachers to keep in mind always. Um, and I think, I really think with everything I've done, I've been really consistent about it. So I've taught Kundalini Yoga for 17 years. Wow. Yeah, almost almost 18, I think, at this point. And I've been doing Vedic astrology for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And those are my mainstays. Yeah. And I do those. And I don't really, you know, like I've done a coaching course to support my Vedic astrology readings. You know, I haven't, I haven't done much veering off. So I think consistency 
is really important and showing up for people because then you build a reputation yes. as like reliable, dependable, trustworthy. And, you know, your reputation in this sort of, um, this sort of work in the world is everything. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't do advertising. I have an email list that I love because they're almost all people I've at least met in person or yeah. spent time with. So I feel like I'm talking to my friends, mm-hmm. you know, and like when I offer something and people show up, I'm like, I'm meeting with my friends, which is so amazing. Yeah. And I think that's, <clears throat> that's another thing too. Like when I write my monthly email newsletter, I'm serving my audience. Like I don't care about I, I always invite people to come and, you know, join, but I'm serving the people I'm already serving. I'm not looking to get anything more. Mm-hmm. You know, that flow is it's always organic. there. Yeah, it's an organic sort of yeah. opening up to to serving more people, but I want to serve the people that are already there. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm offering something new, I'm thinking about like, what could people benefit from? What mm-hmm. could I be offering that people are going to benefit from because I want everything that I do to make people's lives better. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like some show or like, you know. No, that's beautiful because it's like this whole like social media thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like who has enough followers or like all that stuff. And it's, I mean, I've been trying to market, but I haven't been focusing so much on it. Because I do feel like when I focus too much on it, it's like crickets. Yeah. But when you're like, okay, I'm just going to do what I do. Because I feel like doing it. Yeah, because I feel like doing it and because I love it and like just let the energy flow. That's Mm -hmm. like when stuff starts happening. Totally. So it there's so much truth in that. So that's great, 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 great advice. Okay, I just have a couple of other questions. Okay. Um, and you may have answered this already. Okay, if you could recommend a teaching of Kundalini Yoga, a book, a video, a person to follow, what would you say influenced you the most in your Kundalini um, Yoga? I love journey? Sadhana guidelines. Oh, okay. I it's like an old classic book, mm-hmm. you know, they come out with a second edition. Both editions are fantastic, yeah. but it, it really, it does a lot of talking in the beginning about your daily practice, mm-hmm. which, you know, you can read or not read at whatever point, but it's kind of like this magic book. I feel like I'm always discovering or rediscovering something new about like a different pranayama. Like sometimes I'll flip through and I'm like, I, how have I never done this pranayama? Yeah, yeah. You know? I need to look at it again. Yeah, totally. It's a it's a book you can keep coming back to, and also um, prana prani pranayam. Mm, that's one of my favorites. Oh my gosh, that's like a wealth of information. Getting high on your own supply. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that whole book. That's what that book should be called. It's the subtitle. <laughs> it's the subtitle. That's like one of my favorites. But you yeah. know, I feel like with pranayam, people either love it or hate it. Yes. Like when I would teach it at Kundalini Yoga Denver, people loved it. And then I taught at some other studio. I can't remember what it's called right now, but I was subbing for someone. <gasps> 
hated it. Yeah. People were like, what the hell is this? Like, it stirs things up. It stirs things up and that's probably, you need it. That's oh, what you yeah. need the most when you're like resisting something, but like people were complaining and oh, after my class, gosh. they were like, what? was that like so it's so funny but I love it like yeah and we have to teach what we're excited about you know yeah I'm like oh if you didn't like it oh well but yeah you know it's interesting though just I look at it more as just like okay that's what they needed or like totally yeah you can't like overthink that yeah I don't get upset I almost think it's kind of funny because they're like so upset about it it's like how can you be so upset from doing breath from work. breathing, <laughs> from breathing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the pranayama is so powerful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's for me, it's kind of a neglected sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. like I'll get into prana, prani, pranayama for like months on end, and then I won't do much specific breath work. You know, yeah, I really don't while. in my daily practice. Yeah, I'll do it if I'm like going to teach a kriya or something. But I was thinking mm-hmm. the other day, I just even alternate. You know, yeah. just like doing that for a couple minutes a day. I, yeah, I've realized it changes things. It changes everything, but that's just one thing that people don't do in general. Just taking a deep breath, like everybody holds their breath mm-hmm. and you don't even realize you're doing it. I'm, here. yes, I'm so into just like when I'm late for something or I'm like, stressed out about something, just taking that deep yogic breath just like shifts things. Just Mm -hmm. simple. Everybody could do this in their daily life. Like absolutely. Just going back to your breath is just so huge. So yes, I love that. That's one of your favorite. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm running late, Mm -hmm. I will make myself sit in the car before I leave the car and take three deep breaths. Yes. Like it's a total reset. Just a reset. So true. And then like, yeah. So yeah, I can go off for breathing forever. I actually was going to do like little intros of each um, podcast for like the next three of talking about mantra and like the 84 meridians and the upper Mm -hmm. palate and then talking about pranayam, just giving a little insight about it. So Mm -hmm. I love that we brought that up today. Yes. And then like, what are you currently reading? That's not a yoga book or just something you're really, you talked about, um, Renegade Beauty. Yes, I've been very into that. I read that cover to cover when I first got it. It's so good. (laughs) I've been so afraid of getting it. It's like on my list, but like I listened to several podcasts she was on. and Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I just picked up a book for, I'm a big library person. Mm -hmm. I've started to be. Yeah. Well, and then I'll get like five books and then I can decide which one I want to read. I hoard a little bit. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That pile right there. Library. Yes. It's great. So I do it when I want to go shopping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. when I want to go shopping just because I'm feeling like yucky, I'm like, just go to the library yes. and get some books. And then I take um, an all-natural sanitizing cloth and I clean the books before uh, I read them. Oh my gosh. That's, I've been thinking about that. And then you that. see stuff. Oh, and you're like, oh, I'm glad I did that. Oh my God. You reminded me because I thought about that yesterday. Oh yeah. Because when you're in bed, like reading a book. And touching your eyes yeah. and like, yeah, yeah, gross. Okay. So yes, I have my neurosis <laughs> about things like that. But um, um, I just picked up a book and I have not opened it yet. I'm very excited. And I left it at home on accident. Oh. So it's by Donna Tart, oh, who wrote her. The Goldfinch, mm-hmm. which just came out as a movie. And I that book is so I good. I love The Goldfinch. I did 
too. I oh my put gosh. It down. It, and it's huge, which is great because yeah. it lasted so long. But she wrote a book before The Goldfinch. Mm-hmm. I forget what it's called. I know. I can't think of it right now either. I haven't read it though. I, I, the, I was talking with the librarian because we all know each other in Telluride. Um, <laughs> and she said, it's a, I think it's a little eerie oh. is the feeling I got mm-hmm. about it. So I'm excited to read it and kind of get into that dark a little bit. Yeah. But, awesome. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Yay. So um, that's going to start tonight. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and is there anything else that you're super into right now? Are you like watching a show or I just love to get new mm. ideas for me. Are you watching a mm-hmm. show, binge watching, or have you taken watch any courses show. or like, what are you really into right now besides your like daily routine? Um, let me think for a minute. <laughs> It's a hard question. I listen to Shaman Dirk's podcast. I do too. I find that to be so inspiring. Mm -hmm. I love how it's really like inspiring for me. He starts each podcast saying how much he loves everybody who's listening. And he really means it. Like Mm -hmm. I believe Mm -hmm. he loves everybody who's listening. Yeah. And I mean, that just, I'm in, you know? Yeah, I know. And then there's always these little things that I'll list. I'm like, oh my God, like, yes, spirit guides and things. And I DM'd him about something and he sent me back a voice message of like really? what was going on. I was like, oh my God, That's this is so, so crazy. See, yeah, he's like, so, I, I love being around people like that because I feel like I could be more generous mm-hmm. like that. And he's like really generous of spirit, which is something I would like to be more like, Mm -hmm. you know? So I try to find people like that where I'm like, um, maybe I, and I I do learn from him on the literal level, but I learn from how he is in the world, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Which is so valuable. Yeah. He's what you would say completely like selfless and yeah. for the people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't been listening recently because I like kind of shifted into some other ones, but I was listening mm-hmm. to his every day. And then he also has like a Wednesday meditation too that he Yeah. Does. I've done a couple of those. I, I did those one are good. too. They were crazy. Um, yeah. I love Shaman Dirk. Any other podcasts yeah. you're listening to? What other? I listen to a fashion podcast called ah. Pop Fashion. Oh, I love it. It's, um, it's American and it's just these two... Um, two women who love fashion and they have other work that they do, but they just love fashion, the fashion <laughs> world so much. And they're really fun. And it's like, you get to know them as people, you know, oh, awesome. but then I can kind of like stay current with what's going on <laughs> with fashion too, which yeah, I love. I yeah. love that too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but it's just fun. Over here. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, anything else you'd like to share or bring up? I think we covered everything on my list. Yeah. Oh, tell everybody where they can find you. Um, She lives in Telluride. I live in Telluride, but I work remotely a lot. Most of my work I do is online. I like to meet people over FaceTime because it's just like an easy connecting thing. Mm -hmm. And Um, what's your website? My website is sirikaram.com, S-I-R-I-K-A-R-A-M.com. Okay, I'll and, put it in the show notes yeah. too. And she does one-on-one sessions and she's currently 
She has an online course teaching mm-hmm. Vedic astrology. I do. And it's an intro level and I'll offer it again. Um, I want to offer it again in the spring, but it's for people who just want to learn more. Not necessarily, I'm not to the the point where I could offer a professional level training, but it's for people who want to learn more. Like you're interested in the planets. You want to understand more about like, okay, what does it mean when the moon is doing this or in this space or to just understand, have a basic understanding of your chart. Or when you look at that Vedic chart, that square, that little rectangle, you have a a good understanding of where things are and what that means and give you some tools to help you understand, okay, I have this information. What can I do with it in my life? We talk about time periods a little bit, which is super helpful Mm -hmm. to understand what's going on and when things are going to change, which everybody wants to know. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. And then where do you teach in Telluride? I teach at Telluride Yoga Center. Okay, perfect. And um, yeah, I do private classes online usually. Okay. For like meditation or kriyas, yes, all of it. Yes, meditation. All I do 30 minute, you know, just meditation sessions. And then I do 60 minute like Kundalini yoga and meditation experiences. Cool. Cool. And she does workshops in Denver. Workshops and in Denver. That. Yeah. And do you have an Instagram where people can follow you? As I well? do. Like, if I don't know exactly what my I'm so I'll look savvy. it up. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so business savvy. I'll look it up and put it um, in the show notes just yeah. so people can keep up. If you have like if yeah. you're in Denver and you have a workshop, yes, or, absolutely. I post you're... about once a week mm-hmm. and just when I feel like it. Intuitively, um, yeah. And so if you look up City Cutum Earth Tree is my last name, you will find me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be asked to be interviewed by you. You are my first and I'm so happy and so grateful. Thank Thank you you. for coming, Satnam. Thank you, Satnam. Thank you for joining us today. And if you like this episode and this podcast, please subscribe to Aquarian Living and leave us a review. We would love to hear from you and hope you join us for the next episode.